Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Fire Down Below. Talk about the passion. Just really feeling it. You're really feeling it. His name is David Anthony, and this is our podcast, As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. My name is Tim Crisp. And every week on our podcast, as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Fire Down Below. And David, <laughs> I gotta say, what a song. What a song indeed, my friend. Um, like we always do, I have to ask you first... When did you first hear this song? Because you did not keep up with the band at a certain point, and this one was kind of in that realm of time. I heard this song, Fire Down Below, by the Alkaline Trio, on November 6th, 2020. The day that we're recording this podcast for our podcast, as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Wow. I okay, so let me say that I went to search this in uh, uh, through a streaming platform, and mm-hmm. it wasn't on there. And I was like, "Oh, well, that's interesting." And uh, and then I I found it on YouTube, and I and I listened to it, and I see the uh, agony and irony cover art, and I'm like, "Well, is this song on agony?" It, either way. Just seeing that art sets me up to think like, eh, this probably shouldn't set my expectations too high. I swear to you, in the by by second number two, I was like, this is gonna be good, mm-hmm. and that it was good, and it still is good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is uh. Yeah, it's probably the only real modern rarity of theirs mm-hmm. um, because it came out on the 2007 Warp Tour compilation, which is funny because, like, I mean, those Warp Tour comps really in the 2000s were what, like, Side One Dummy Records was known for mm-hmm. um, before Side One Dummy became a label that a lot of people cared about and then decided to stop being a label for reasons that don't make sense. Um, the worst. Yeah, just Shake bad. my damn head. But um, those 2000s Warped Your Comps, like, comps were all the rage kind of in that time. It made a lot of sense. Like, here's bands that are going to be on the Warped Tour. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because, like, I think that year the war- Alkaline Tree was on Warped Tour for, like, a week um but we're still on the comp and i mean i think this was really a point in time where like shortly thereafter like there's not really like comps happening in that same way in Mm -hmm. a physical sense where it's like i'm gonna pick this up at target it's three dollars and i'm gonna hear a bunch of new bands it was just like it was already kind of waning a little bit because of you know downloading and file sharing and myspace but like the point remains that's where it came out and it's funny because like remains had already come out so this song is just 
there's not going to be like another remains comp because they've not done enough to like warrant that. Uh-huh. So the song's just kind of in limbo. Um, but I remember this song coming out because I was still in 2007. I was still in the bag for this band, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I I liked Crimson. The Occult Roots tour in 06 with Against Me mm-hmm. was awesome where they played all goddamn it. And it was like a fan, like the blood packed fan request set for the second half. Great time had by all. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for Jane Grace. Yeah, yeah. Except for Jane Grace. She <laughs> did not have a great time. Um, great time had by most. Uh, to be fair, I love Laura, but I don't know if she has a great time most times. So really, who's to say? Yeah, that's what that, um, that, that book kind of communicated among many things. Yes. Um, shout out to Laura and our pal Dan Ozzie, who co-wrote that book with her. Yeah, shout out to uh, Laura. Uh, so anyway, we <laughs> are in 2007. Remains comes out. Love it. Because, I mean, I knew most of that material. I had a fun little DVD with it. Like cool thing mm-hmm. um and then this song comes out and i'm like whoa this is cool like this is definitely not what they're doing on crimson mm-hmm. um it kind of has elements of it in it uh in the production in the song structures um but it has almost like a from here to infirmary energy mixed with crimson mm-hmm. um and I think it's awesome. And I was like, man, they're going to put out a new record and it's going to be awesome. Like, it's going to be in this vein. This song's going to be on it. But it was not in this vein. It was instead in vein, um, which is <laughs> a bad song. Uh, and it's been waiting yeah, all day I, for that one. Yeah. I, um, th- this, this song was like the last vestige of time where I was like, I could really proudly be like, yeah, this band's fucking awesome. And then it uh, changed a little bit. Yeah. And like looking at that comp and seeing that they're in the number one slot. And you got to think, if this is it for comps for the Alkaline Trio, like they went out fucking on top Mm -hmm. during this era I mean, it's obviously it's going to be like a tough contest to judge because like not everybody's contributing the same amount of songs to comps. But Alkaline Trio, they put a lot in and their fucking batting average was pretty, pretty good. Yeah. I mean, when you think about how many people would put songs like Warbrain or Jake Don Green Beers or Old School Reasons or like like my friend Peter was originally a comp. Like there's just like a lot of material where it's like. A lot of those I feel like are usually in people's top ten, top twenty. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's pretty impressive for those to not be album tracks, but to be like what are like beloved songs by the band. That's not super common. You know, we should discuss after the show because I just had an idea for something that we could do over on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash As You Were. Um, and of course our patrons voted for this song this week. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, today's November 6th. So if we're, uh, 
sounded a little like, oh, why aren't they talking about what's happening in the news right now? It's because it, it won't matter. It won't matter in 20 minutes what's <laughs> no, happening in the news right now. Um, but yeah, this, 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 uh, this was a poll choice. Um, and, and this was, when this came up, I was like trying to place it. I was like, I think that's on, I feel like I, I've seen that track title in, uh, on the back half of one of those records that I don't really know very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we've been doing this for quite some time and I think the, like the numbing effect of anything that comes, uh, around or after this time period, it's like, all right, well, this is going to be a great time for David and I to wonder what it is we're doing with our lives. Uh, talking about these songs that aren't good, but I think just like the, absolute like surprise of how good this was and also just how gripping it was just right away and it reminded me so much of like getting that Atticus comp hearing Jake Don Green beers and looking at this band that I love and it's it's almost like a like you know it's a point of pride when the bands that like you care about show up mm. on a comp and like offer up something great. And this was like just so fun, so good. The melodies are just so effortless. Like mm-hmm. he when he starts in the verse, it's like cool. It's it's just there. He doesn't have to try, but they still like you know those like those uh points of emphasis that like follow along with Derek's beat they don't do shit like that no and i mean yeah effortless is a good way to put it it's like i think matt's vocals on the song are really good mm-hmm. um in a way where it's like this recording is definitely above like a demo recording which sometimes comp songs can fall into the territory of and um if you've not seen it on YouTube, Derek has been uploading over the past couple of years some like archival stuff and he uploaded like some of the drum tracking for this. Mm-hmm. And this was recorded clearly as a one-off or maybe they were doing demos for stuff, I can't say, but it was at Chicago Recording Company, which mm-hmm. is I think the only time they've ever done anything there. Mm-hmm. Uh and I forget the name of the engineer, also I think the only time they worked with that person. But it sounds like album worthy f- to me. Like this could yeah. have been on a record, and I don't think anyone would have bad an eye. And to that point, like Matt's vocals, yeah, he's just in a great spot with his voice, kind of in this post crimson. And and I will say on Agony and Irony, his vocals are good. Mm-hmm. He's really trying to push, and this is one that again, it's just effortless. His vocal melodies are really effortless. But he's singing in a way that's like, it's very clean. It's very like technically good, but there's just a lot of emotion to it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of delicacy in it. And, you know, the backing vocals that they really pull in at the end of the verses, into the chorus is just really nice. It, It just feels very natural. And in a way where it's like, man, like I'm kind of shocked that they 
just threw this song only onto a comp, never really played it live. I think they did on that run of the Warp Tour. Um, but I think that's about it. Uh, yeah. And I, I will also point out, I do love the kind of Easter egg at the top, which is the the drum hits kind of cascading with the Morse code bit. Uh-huh. Because at the start of the song, they spell out hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> go figure. Poo. Yeah, I mean, that would have been better, honestly. <laughs> um, ass. Uh so that that is I I kind of love how goofy that is because like it's not a thing that like is distracting. It's like a weird intro, but it's just like mm-hmm. oh they're still having fun with this. Like why the fuck else would you put that in the song? Yeah, I love those backing vocals at the end of the verse because when I when I heard it the first time I was like oh, you know that crimson track where it's like down um but after listening through it it was like oh no like that's this is actually just the end of the verse it's not the beginning of the chorus the Mm -hmm. chorus starts after that and i love that like little bit of difference um because i love the way matt's vocals kind of come in from underneath after that with just you've waited your whole life for this um just everything that comes off in this just has such a nice just i don't know i keep going back to effortless but i think during a time when the efforts start to like really rear their heads as being like detrimental to the material this is i don't know it's it's like it's it just feels fucking great to see you know it's like it's like yeah. watching a fucking uh like old uh old timer like go out and score like 40 points mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when you think he's over the hill or some shit like that well i mean it's just like i mean i think it's a really good way to put it because i think they were you know, it, it sounds funny now, but I think they were starting to get ridden off by some people. Yeah. You know, they've been a band for a while. They had a good amount of albums out. And I think Crimson, though it sounds kind of quaint now, was kind of divisive. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I really liked it basically from release onward, but I knew people who like maybe like some songs or for other people, it was like, this sucks. Like, I'm not even into it at all. Um, And this song was kind of a way to be like, yo, check this out. Like... Then, yeah, totally. You know, and and I could see someone not liking it for whatever reason, like that's fine. But I do think it has just like to me, it's always felt like the last Alkaline Trio song of that 2000s era of like when I think when I think when people think of Alkaline Trio in the 2000s or like what their sound is, they think of that from here to infirmary, infirmary to kind of Crimson Run, that kind of like dark mm-hmm punk kind of thing and this is really the last song of theirs that occupies that territory really um yeah you know i'm sure arguments could be made for stuff 2010s but i feel like that's a whole different it's a different songwriting approach it's a different style within their thing and and you know as much as i can dislike that i can at least respect the fact that like they have evolved kind of consistently Mm mm-hmm 
from era to era. Like every five years, they're kind of in a different place than they were previous. And even if I don't like it, at least like there are strides being made yeah. and I don't feel like I'm getting no effects records, you know, like totally. It's funny. Like the, the way that they stand out on this compilation from 2007, for the warp tour, because this is such a time capsule of that time period and also like the no no effects of punk who just do the warp tour every year mm-hmm. you know you've got like bad religion and mad caddies and fucking the uh the casualties and the toasters on there but you also have norma jean uh cute is what we aim for as I lay dying, like that, that it's a weird sound, time. it's so fucking weird. Um, but that was what was hot at that moment. And I think the Alkaline Trio are a really interesting midpoint between like the sort of the lifers and then like that whole terrible, terrible era of... Uh, everything, haircuts, fashion, to write love on her arms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, shitty, you know, shitty it, music. I mean, that's the thing is, like, they were kind of the lucky ones, potentially, right? Like, they could tour with the old school punk bands, and, and now do. That's kind of where they fall. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, they opened for My Chemical Romance, which I'm sure helped them a lot. Yeah. Um, They could play, like, the cover of this is that dude from that band, Aiden, who I believe is canceled for being the, the genuinely, like, fucked up mm-hmm. bad man. Um, but, like, at that time, like, that whole thing was, like, kind of around, a lot of, like, darker, spookier, like, quote-unquote, gothier elements entering Mm -hmm. and they could have played with those bands they really didn't outside of probably you know warp tour or like a one-off fest thing um and yeah i think it's just interesting because i think like had they done this and and done a record that was in in this world i a think it would have probably been pretty good because i don't think they would have gone into like breakdown whatever territory i don't think they would have done that i think they would have still been themselves Mm -hmm. but i think they would have picked up a lot of fans from that world through that um but that's not what they did um and you know i i've never really kind of considered the fact that maybe you know maybe agony and irony was a deliberate choice of like no we're gonna like really push and i think we've always framed it and i think it's probably not incorrect that like they wanted to make a big pop rock record. I'm mm-hmm. not going to fault them for that. I don't think it's, it, it achieves what it's setting out to do, but I wonder how much of it, it was like, all right, we don't want to be, you know, the 35 year olds or whatever opening for the 20 year olds who like wear all the eyeliner and do the whole thing. Yeah. But we also don't want to be, I think they do want to be, but they like, we don't want to be no effects like totally in broad stroke terms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is, um, this is quite the document and I think it just like, like truly knocked me over also too, like 
let's not lose sight of the fact that the song has a very good bridge. I, mm-hmm. Arguably, it's like two bridges, or at least it's like you know divided in half. Um, it's oh god, this is just such a fucking good song. I can't even like. I can't deal. I mean, I yeah. Can... I mean, this is one that I've always pointed to as kind of a personal favorite. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, again, I don't think it would necessarily fall in my top ten, right? But it's really, really good, um, and really good in an era that, like, I think a lot of older fans maybe missed. It kind of slipped through the cracks, and I think a lot of newer fans don't really know exists because why would you it's on a comp cd that like is probably literally in dollar bins or 20 cents on on discogs you know yeah Um, and i mean like the i guess for for me like where i was at the at this point with the band was i was dipping and like i wasn't going to go and buy the you know the 2007 warp tour compilation because the alkaline trio was on it i I, mm-hmm. I don't even know if i if this like came into my radar at all at that point um but yeah this is one that i think you know i i i don't think i'm like too my trajectory with the band is is very not uh uncommon no and, no and I think that you're very on point in saying like, I don't think, I don't think most of us heard this because it wasn't, it wasn't collected in any way. Well, and it's just also before that era of like, maybe it was on like their MySpace page for like a month or something. Yeah. But that was probably about it. You couldn't just like pull it up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, you know, I think it's just that weird era of time where we were kind of really in a transition where it's like, yeah, unless you were going to like Hot Topic and buying the CD for five dollars, or like it was actively iTunes really iTunes or something. Yeah, iTunes or like purposely going out of your way to download it or download the Warped Tour comp. Like it, it's it just makes sense why it falls through the cracks. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those that, like, I feel like, you know, I've always really liked, and I feel like when I've either shown people this song for the first time or know people who know it, like, I feel like there's a lot of good um, sentiment toward it. Mm-hmm. And and I think deservedly. Um, you know, like you were pointing out, like, the bridge is kind of two parts. The end of the verse is kind of a pre-chorus for a measure. Mm-hmm. Um it's got a wacky kind of that, you know, Morse code intro followed by like a great pick slide, like drum fill in, which I love. Mm-hmm. The end's got a lot of like kind of, you know, bringing it at home rock out parts. Like it's got a lot going on. This isn't, um, it, it's just not what they were doing on the record before or really what came after it really kind of sits in its own unique place. Like I know I said, it's kind of from here to infirmary meets crimson, but in crimson, like the songs didn't have, weren't this busy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, back to hell, which we talked about somewhat recently is probably like the ripper on the record. And it's, it's really one drum beat throughout, which is what makes it effective. But like they were building songs 
in a much slower way. Sadie's a great example. Time to Waste is a great example. Mm-hmm. You know, even Mercy Knee's a little more kind of standard parts throughout. Mm-hmm. And then after this, you know, they really kind of take what they were doing in terms of song structure on Crimson of very simple parts and trying to build them and put that into a pock brock format that doesn't really work for them as well. And I think that's what hinders agony and irony. And I think that's what is even more watered down by the time we get to this addiction. Um, and it's, it's yeah, it just sits in a place where I'm like, I don't know how this one came together. It seems so natural. It makes so much sense, but when you break it down, it's really unintuitive. It has like a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Which like I love. I I feel like the the stakes are lower, um, and that I think opens opens it up because it's like, what I, they're not pinning any hopes on how their Vans Warped Tour compilation track turns out. I mean, no, and it's that's assuming that it, it was written for this purpose, which might not be true but i think that there is i don't know it sounds like they're so fucking tour tight Mm -hmm. at this point too you know like they've they're very locked in with each other and i think that like the um the fact that they're like so in sync with a lot of different moving parts is you know that might be a testament to the fact that they were tight as fuck during this period of time. I mean, I think it's a hundred percent true is like they were touring really hard mm-hmm. for the early part of the two thousands, but on, you know, Crimson era and after they did a lot of touring in support, support of Crimson, mm-hmm. like headlining runs, the My Chemical Romance support. I'm pretty sure they did some more church slots and then they go right into the Occult Roots Tour, which is like marathon shows every single night, sometimes multiple nights in the same city. Like Chicago is three nights mm-hmm. doing all of God Damn It and then like different sets after. Like they were locked in. I think to me, you know, people may dispute this, but I really view that as like when they were at some of their best as a live entity because mm-hmm. they were just hitting it hard. They were mixing up their sets. They were really like nimble. They were, it really seemed like they were, they wanted to be good. They wanted to be a really good band. Um, and I think it kind of makes sense that this song comes out of them being a very tour type, but also just like having a lot of experience playing almost all of the material they had up to that point. Mm-hmm. Like, you're playing an album in full, like their first album, their classic record, which at that point was only eight years old, <laughs> which is fucking weird as hell to think about. Um, but additionally, like, you know, then like bringing in fan selected stuff, which I'm sure was hidden a little bit of everything at that point, because I think everybody liked a little bit of everything. So like, it makes sense to me that this song kind of feels like this distillation of, the productions places they got to the songwriting confidence, the natural ability with the kind of like songwriting weirdness that they used to have. Um, and I will say, I think there is, the lyrics are solid. I don't think they're like incredible. I think Mm -hmm. they're good, but there's one line I've always really loved, uh, which again, feels like such like an early kind of like 
Natskeeva line, which is don't pray for me. One day you'll find I'm sleeping in my urn and feeling just fine, <laughs> which is like perfect. That's like perfect Matskiba to me is like, it's so kind of pithy and snotty and funny and like, you know, kind of spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that line is just the perfect distillation of like, I don't know, it's, it feels almost like the sequel to, like, a Jake Don Greenbeer's, like, kind of a snide fuck you, mm-hmm. in, but in a much more, like, tongue-in-cheek way. Um, so I wanted to give props to that as well. What do you rate this song? I give this one a four. I give this... Fuck it. I, this is a five out of five. Woo! I baby, I love it. Totally aware of the fact that it is a I'm feeling high off of just having heard it today and loving it. Also, uh, Budweiser started making a 0.0 non alcoholic Mm. beer that is fucking fantastic, and I feel great about that too. Also, it looks like uh, I'm not even gonna say it. Uh, this is our podcast. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week we talked about Fire Down Below, which was a choice made for us by our patrons on patreon.com slash as you were. We give people the opportunity to vote. We do a little bit of long form discussion. And uh, yeah, it's it's cool. You, only Only like the chillest homies are there. So if you think you're chill enough, you can uh, help support the show by going there. We'll be on the feed, as we always are, next week with another song and just more fun. I can't wait to have more fun. More fun. Hopefully, we can have as much fun this week as we do talking about whatever we talk about next week. Because I'm sure there's only great songs left. One way to find out. We'll see you next week. Thanks, bye. Wait.